Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Good morning, everybody. Woo, what a morning we have had already. Incredible. I know that uh, you guys have already cheered and cheered and cheered. I, I was sitting backstage and I kept thinking like, uh, you know, a handful of times that we, our family has gone to Disney World. I feel like I'm standing in line for the Tron ride or something. It was like, woo, you know, like, I'm, this is incredible. I love that you celebrate this life change so much because you know every one of these baptisms represents an incredible life change story. And I just, yeah, praise God for that. And we are all on staff and leadership just like marveling. There's no other word for it. God's doing a, a little revival, not even so little anymore, a little revival here at Brazos Fellowship. And we are so thankful. It is all because of him, 100%. God is doing this, and so we just want to recognize that today and just thank the Lord for what he's doing in people's lives. So uh, thank you guys for being a part of it and being here to celebrate that. Now, we've been in for a couple of weeks this week, starting this week is the third week, uh, a couple of weeks into a series entitled Faithful, where we're learning how to refuel, fuel your faith in a world that is on empty. And I think it makes it even more exciting and remarkable to see what God's doing here when we look at what's happening in our world around us, because I think there is so much devastation and searching and hurting in people's hearts because they are looking for God and don't even know they're looking for him. They're just looking for him in the wrong places. And so it's just cool to see people are finding the Lord and because you are inviting them and God's using you. But in these last couple of weeks, we've been talking about what are the five non-negotiable essentials that God seems to use over and over to grow faith in people. Like when you hear a faith story, a testimony of somebody saying, God has grown my faith, you're going to hear one or many or all five of the things that we're talking about, have been talking about over the last couple of weeks, and we're unpacking all five, and this week will be number three. But we've been talking about this idea of these five essentials that God uses to grow faith, like unshakable faith. When you see people that go through just insanely hard, difficult things where you go, I don't know if my faith would still be intact if I went through what she went through or what he went through. How are they able to do this? Now, I want to show you what are those things that are show up in the Bible, show up in people's testimony that are just consistent over time. So we've been talking about those. And here's the first one. First one was providential relationships. These are the people God brings along. This is week one. We talked about this. If you want to hear the whole message, you can go back and check it out. These incredible people that God brings along at the right time, the right place. They're the right people. And sometimes at the time, we don't even know it. Like, we, we underestimate the power, the value, the transformative um, power that God's going to use through them to change the trajectory of our life. But God does use them. And you look back and you're like, thank God for that person or that group of people. Last week we talked about the second one, practical teaching. 
And that is that at some point in your faith journey, you heard somebody teach you how to apply the truths of Jesus or the truths of the Bible into your life. It wasn't just information to know, just knowledge to hold on to, just a doctrinal statement or a code of ethics that you go, yes, I agree with that, but you went out and put it into practice. Like here's how your faith comes alive where our faith and God's faithfulness intersect that's when faith begins to grow. And we talked about that last week, that there needs to be application. And this is why we make such a big deal of it here at Brazos Fellowship. We're not the only ones, for sure. Let it be known. There are a lot of churches, ministries, Bible studies out there that are teaching for application and not just information. And then this week, we're going to unpack the third one, which is private disciplines that there are these things, these behaviors, these disciplines that we can incorporate into our private lives that can make an enormous difference and do over and over and over in people's lives all the time. And I wanna share some of those with you, kind of the, the first three which I feel like are critical to anybody who's seriously saying, I'm ready to go with God. I wanna grow, I want what, whatever's left of my time on this planet, I want to grow as close as I can with God to really walk in sync with his will. I wanna help you to do that too. So when we talk about private disciplines, let me ask you this question. What do you think of when I say the word discipline? For most people, that word does not conjure up a lot of like warm, fuzzy kind of feelings. Like you look at that and go, oh, that's the kind of stuff that I ought to do, but I don't really want to do, right? And you think about becoming more disciplined with your diet. All of a sudden, lots of things come to your mind that you don't want to eat, right? That is not what I want to have for lunch, but if I was disciplined, I probably would eat that for lunch. Or being disciplined with your finances, it means, um, it means saying no to some things you wish you could say yes to, so that hopefully later you can say yes to some things that you have to say no to now. And every area, maybe with time, being more disciplined with your time. It's learning how to stay on a schedule. And we're gonna, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit, but it's learning how to be disciplined in areas that maybe you haven't been or you just haven't put a much, as much focus on it. So in other words, to boil this down, discipline is saying no now to say yes later. And every parent understands this because this is what we try to teach our kids and our grandkids and our, our nieces and nephews and any other younger people that you have influence on their lives. You, you play the movie of the bad behavior they're involving themselves in. You go, sweetheart, buddy, hey, you need to change. You need to learn how to say no to some things now because you're gonna, you're gonna completely omit the option later and it's gonna break your heart. I promise you, you're gonna wish you could do it later that you gotta learn how to say no now. So let me share with you a couple of benefits from discipline, of, of incorporating discipline into your life. Here's the first one. Discipline starts off hard, but it produces great results. Let me tell you a real practical illustration of my life. I know you can't tell by looking at me, but I have incorporated the discipline of working out in my life. Uh, several years ago, uh, I can't remember, it's been years ago, but when I first started, if I can be as brutally honest, I, I started a, a workout class, and when I first started, it was not fun, okay? It was painful, it hurt, 
I woke up every day, felt like I've been in a car wreck. I don't know if you can relate to that, but like, I'm not kidding. Like for months, I felt so sore. I thought I was doing irreparable damage to my body. And it was just because I was that out of shape. But anyway, um, but in time, I came to enjoy it. What was once I had to endure it, now I became, uh, came to the point where I en enjoyed it. What once was a have to, now was a want to. To the point where, I know this is going to sound crazy, earlier this year, I had an injury, not that part isn't crazy, that, that's probably easy to believe. Anyway, but I had an injury and I had to lay off working out for several months. But during that time, I missed it so much because it had become such a part of my life and I would literally see other people working out and think, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could, I know that sounds crazy. For those of you are like, you really were cuckoo. All right, that's, but I missed it because I, that feeling of after the workout, of just feeling stronger and just feeling like a weight, just it's like so amazing. And part of the reason I started working out was not even just for the physical benefits, although there are a lot of them. It was, it increases your creativity, your collaboration ability to work with other people, to solve problems. You get better at so many things if you just move your body and sweat a little bit a few times a week. It's crazy. So I started doing it and I got to the point where I literally missed it when I didn't have it. And that's what the benefits of incorporating a discipline is always going to be hard on the front end, but in the long run, you learn to really begin to enjoy it. Now, here's the next benefit. Discipline produces freedom. Now, let's talk about another area that's hard to be disciplined, finances, okay? And, and the whole discipline of living on a budget, like if here's your income and you're learning how to live below your means, if you can learn how to do that, you stop like running out of money before you run out a month. You know that feeling? We've all been there. Like, like how are we going to do this? But you learn how to budget yourself. So you have margin. Margin's a new word you will love when you get used to it. You actually have some space between your spending and the end of your money. And all of a sudden now with that margin, you can be generous, you can bless others, you can save for the future, you can pay down your mortgage or your car payment. There's lots of things you can do with that. It gives you freedom that you don't currently have. And the more margin you have, the more freedom you have. And if you keep it up, if the discipline persists over time, you'll start to pay things off. You'll put more on the principal. Oh my gosh, we got the car paid off. Oh, now we got the house paid off. There are actually people in the world, I know this is going to sound impossible and kind of un-American, that actually are debt-free. Like they have their house paid off, their cars are paid off. Could you imagine that? Waking up one day and like, oh, we don't have a car payment, we don't have a house payment, we don't owe anybody anything. I mean, you still have to pay your taxes, but you still, <laughs> what, a real, what an incredible sense of freedom that would give your life. You do not get there apart from disciplined action. You think about our country as a whole, the United States of America, the freedoms that we enjoy did not come apart from disciplined action by a few men and women who have laid their life down, who have been willing to be so disciplined, they would stand in your place and my place to defend that freedom. Our faith, ladies and gentlemen, forgiveness from sins, gift of God's grace and his salvation through Jesus Though it is free for us to receive, it was not free for God. It required an unbelievable 
like incalculable disciplined action on that behalf of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, for you and for me. It is powerful. It was true of them. It needs to be true of us. If we really want to grow in our faith, we have to learn to begin to incorporate discipline in our life. So I want to spend the next few minutes talking about what did Jesus say about private disciplines that you and I need to begin to incorporate. Think about how do we incorporate these into our life? So here are, we're going to begin with three private disciplines. Here's the first one. It is daily devotions. Daily devotions. Now, this is a broad term that could represent lots of different things, but ultimately it means spending time with God daily, okay? And in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 6, here's what Jesus said about this when he was talking about this idea of devotion or spending time talking to God. He says, when you pray, he's talking to his followers, he's talking to us, anybody who would consider themselves like, I'm considering following Jesus, or I am a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God, this is for you, this is not optional. He's like, this is a command. He says, when you pray, go away, and if you would, let's read the highlighted words together. Go away by yourself, right? This is not Jesus um, prohibiting public prayer. Jesus prayed public often right? But it was the exception, not the rule. The rule was most of his prayers were by himself, and we're going to look at that in a minute. He says, I want you to go by yourself, shut the door behind you, you're the only one in there, right? And pray to your father in, let's say it together, in private. This is a private discipline Jesus is teaching. Then your father who sees everything, like don't ever worry, I wonder if God saw that. Yep, he saw it, all right? (laughs) He sees everything, will reward you. He's going to reward you, right? And and, in essence, what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, I want you to take your most precious non-renewable resource, time. Now think about this. You may say, well, wouldn't that be money? No, because money, if you run out of money, you can always go out and make more money. When you run out of time, time's up you don't get any more time. You and I don't know how much time we have, but we only get so much. And when it's over, it's over. And Jesus is saying, I want you to take this most precious resource that you have, and I want you to take some of it right at the beginning of the day, and I want you to give it to your heavenly Father. I want you to offer it to him. I want you to carve out some of it that's just for him. It is a date you don't break. It is, a, it is an appointment you put on the schedule and nothing can knock that off of the schedule. That is going to stick, stay and you're going to guard it and you're going to protect it unless just absolute catastrophe is taking place, all right? And he says, I want you to devote this time to God. Now, I know for some of you may say, well, I am busy. I don't know if I have the time. I, I, mean, I would love to do this, but I'm just like, I'm so busy. Now, I understand. I have, I have those days too. I have those weeks. I have seasons of time where it's just super, super busy. I get it. But here's how I know that I am not too busy and you are not too busy. If your life suddenly came to an end, in other words. Remember last week we talked about the house is built on sand and it came crashing down. Let's say metaphorically that starts happening in your life. Your life is imploding. It's falling in on itself you would find time to talk to God, wouldn't you? (laughs) I would too. I don't care how busy you are, you would figure it out. And because of that, 
Jesus is saying, don't wait. Don't wait till your life's falling apart. Be disciplined to carve it out now when you don't necessarily have to. It's not like, oh my gosh, if I don't do this, I mean, my, my, my faith's hanging by a thread. I, I have to do this or I'm just going to like lose all faith. I'm going to, no, don't wait for that. Let it become a discipline that even when it's strong and, it's, and it has plenty of power and you feel plenty of confidence and trust in God, like reinforce it at that time too. This is so powerful. And this is something, ladies and gentlemen, not only did Jesus teach this, but he, pre- he practiced what he preached, okay? Over in the Gospel of Luke, chapter five, he tells us this. He says, Yet the news about him, him being Jesus, news about him spread all the more so that, let's say it together, so that crowds, like thousands of people, thousands of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Jesus was in high, high demand. He had like people everywhere he wanted, wanted to be with him, wanted to be healed by him, wanted to hear teaching from him. He was as popular as he has ever been. But he didn't let his busyness um, impede the importance of time with God. He didn't let it get in the way because here's what Luke tells us next. He says, but Jesus, let's say it together, Jesus often, like all the time he was doing this, withdrew to lonely places. He was all alone. There wasn't anybody else there and prayed. He would get alone, he would pray, he would spend time with God even when he was crazy busy. Crazy busy, right? Peter recalls a time where he remembers this happening, that he caught Jesus doing this exact same thing. It's recorded for us in the Gospel of Mark, chapter one, starting with verse 35. He says, very, let's say it together, very early in the morning. Sometimes you gotta get up early to have that time because the day's so busy, right? How early was it? While it was still dark. Some of you are like, I don't do that. Like, I, I wait till the sun comes up. Sometimes you have to if you're going to get that time with God. You've got to be willing to get up a little earlier. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place. Again, he was all alone. He was solitary. Where he prayed. And Simon, this is Peter, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, because all they could think of, there's so much to do. They exclaimed, everybody's looking for you, Jesus. Don't you know how in demand you are? Don't you know how popular you are? Don't you know you're like, you you know, you're making people wait on you? And Jesus is showing us there is a priority list to life. Just because people are demanding things of you doesn't mean you give it to them right away there's times where you need to say hey hold up let's pump the brakes and let me just pray about this let me see god on this instead of just go 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 because if you do that you live like that you're going to look up one day and say oh i wish i would have taken a beat prayed about it thought about it sought some wise counsel before i made this decision i rushed into this too fast and we've all done that jesus shows us how to keep from doing that beautiful Jesus gave the Father the first minutes of his day. We should too. If Jesus, the Son of God, needed to do this, how much more does this guy need to do it? And you, how much more do we need to do that? Take time every day to to slow down. 
and to be disciplined to start the day right, to start the day with God, to acknowledge his greatness. God, this is your earth. You created me. You made all this stuff. It doesn't mean that all these people are always doing your will. This is why Jesus later, in, actually in Matthew chapter 6, he tells us in the Lord's Prayer, pray that the Lord's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because it's not always done on earth, right? But we're praying, God, I'm surrendering to you. I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And start with me, with my choices, with, with what I'm going to do today. I want to choose what you want I want to live knowing that I'm walking in sync with God today. What a beautiful way to live a day. It's awesome. And Jesus is showing us this is how you start. You surrender to the greatness of God. You surrender to his will. And you say, your will over my will today. And I want that. And we anticipate, as you think forward in your day, the stresses, the anxieties, the temptations... Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil, Jesus tells us to pray. To think about, where might that happen for you today? Where does it usually happen for you? Is it when you're online? Is it with certain friends? Is it with certain... It's usually some environment, some context, somewhere that you are weak. God, help me to be strong where I'm normally weak. Pray that. Just see if it doesn't make a difference. Invite him into your day. Pre-decide, before you get there, pre-decide to live for him, to invite him in. This is what Jesus was doing, and he's inviting us to do the same. In other words, Jesus is showing us prayer strengthens our dependency on God. That's what it does, because it reminds us as we're saying it to God, I'm dependent upon you. Give us this day our daily bread. Every bread, bread represents everything you're going to need today. Everything I'm going to need today, God, is going to come from your hand, and I trust you for it. I'm asking you for it. You're going to give me the words to say in that tough conversation, that meeting I'm about to walk into. You know what needs to happen. I'm trusting in you. You're in control, not me. And, and just like I said, when you're in a crisis mode, nobody has to tell you to pray. Just let's not wait till a crisis. Let's make sure we're being disciplined to do this and not to wait, but do it now. So here's the second private discipline Jesus teaches. Percentage giving. This is learning how to be generous to the things of God around you, but learning how to be intentional instead of just like, well, let's see what's left over at the end of the month. That's, that's, that's different than percentage giving or, or as the Bible calls it, tithing, that's tipping God, okay? And tipping God's better than no giving at all, but it's not intentional, and there's no discipline required. He's helping us to see there is times where we need to pre-decide what we're going to give. We're gonna give a percentage. We're gonna give 10% or 5% or 7%, or we're gonna start somewhere and let God work us up to grow our faith. This is so powerful. We begin to understand this to begin to give towards the things of God and what God's doing in our community, in our church, in our world, that you get to participate, I get to participate in that, is so powerful. In other words, giving, as far as Jesus is concerned, is not a money issue, it's not a financial issue, it's a priority issue. It's really asking the question, where do you put your confidence in this life? Your faith, is a, confidence is another way of saying faith, or trust, where do you put your trust? Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 31, and he says, 
So do not worry. This is something that we chronically do, especially in this country, all the time, right? We don't even have to try. It just happens. And it's usually because we feel like we're not going to be enough, we're not going to have enough, we're not going to be able to show up with enough. He says, not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Are we going to have enough, the basics covered? Are we going to be able to look the way we need to look, our appearance? Now today, maybe the questions are more like, Am I going to be able to afford college education for my kids? Am I going to be able to afford to retire someday? Am I going to have enough? If, what's going to happen with my job? What's going to happen with my finances? Is it all going to be okay? Am I going to run out? Am I going to have enough? We worry about these kinds of things all the time. And Jesus tells us, for the pagans run after all these things. Pagans defined as simply people who do not place their faith in God. They put it in anything or anyone, anywhere else. It was a catch-all term. It was those who have refused to put faith in God. He says, for the pagan, run, they run after these things. People have no faith in God at all. And your heavenly Father, he knows. Let's say it together. Your heavenly Father knows what you need, that you need them, right? He already knows what you need. Jesus is trying to help us to see, listen, you don't have to run around like people that, that, that are underneath a God that has no idea what you need or it has no access to the resources and ways to get you what you need. That's what the pagans, the people who have no faith have. He's saying you can trust him. You see, and this is so convicting when you think about what's behind this because there are so many people, even Christian people, who would say, I believe in Jesus, but when you get right down to where the rubber meets the road in their life, they may believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in what Jesus taught. They don't believe in what Jesus believed in, what he said. We don't have confidence in that. Where do we put confidence? We put confidence in well, as long as I have enough money in the bank. Then I'm, whoo, yeah, praise Jesus, got all the faith in the world. But when that money is gone, so is the faith. And Jesus here is trying to help us to see, help us to see this idea that be careful where you put your confidence, your trust, your faith. If you put your faith in your finances, is your finances controlling your life? Is your finances in control of your future? Is your finances in control of providing for you? No, it's an inanimate object, right? God is in charge. And if, if that is in fact true, like you believe that, he's simply saying start living like it. Put your faith there. Do you believe Jesus? Because many people who believe in Jesus don't believe, don't believe him. Don't believe what he taught. This is so powerful. Jesus is simply inviting us to put our money where our faith is. To really say, okay, I'm going to step out. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to put my faith in him. And, it, and it, I'm going to make sure that before anybody else gets paid, I want to put a percentage towards the things of God to seek first him and his kingdom. This is what Jesus said in verse 31 of Matthew 6. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things what things all the things you think you need all the things that you really need will be let's say it together will be given to you as well like he's going to take care of it 
He will, and you can trust this. You can take this to the bank. This is 100% true in a world that will tell you, yeah, that's great you have that faith and everything, but just make sure, you know, you don't put too much weight on that. Jesus was saying, that's a, that's a crazy maker. That's a recipe for disaster. That is actually not going to grow your faith. It, when you hit crisis, it's going to hijack your faith. What faith you think you have, it's been misplaced. And the thing that you put it on is going to crumble out from under it. There's no foundation there, and it's going to devastate your life. To put it another way, to kind of encapsulate what we're talking about, giving exercises our faith because it involves letting go of what we are most inclined to put our confidence in rather than God. Giving is the most tangible way we have been given under heaven to shift our dependence, our confidence, our trust, our faith from stuff, things, finances, to the God who generously provides all things for us, as Paul says to Timothy. We learn how to trust him by acting, behaving in trustful ways. See, Jesus even tells us, and this is also in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. You're either going to love the one or you're going to hate the other, Right? And he says, and no one can love both God and, anybody remember God and money, right? And money simply represents financial security. We all worry about that all the time. Jesus knew that. That's not a 21st century issue. That was a first century. That was as long as there have been people on planet Earth have always worried about that. And, and it's so interesting that Jesus says of all the competitors in the entire world that God sees as the number one competitor for your heart that competes against him, it's not the devil, it's not atheism, it's not, it's your, your craving for financial security. And he says, and I am your financial security. I will take care of you. I love you. I created you. I know what you need trust me, trust me. And it's it, it, one of the most tangible ways, as I said, to begin to do that is to, to, to be a percentage giver, to begin to give a percentage of the income that you have every, every month. I remember way back in the early days for Leslie and I, when we first got married, um, we decided right away that we were going to start giving a tithe, the 10%. Uh, right off the top. And this was not because we were making a lot of money, because we were not at all. It was a time when I was full-time in school, working part-time as an intern at a church, making $7,500 a year. Woo! Rolling high on the hog, right? You know? No, not at all. Like, uh, our dates were, let's go down to Kroger and have a Starbucks coffee. That was our, I mean, it was, you know, like, Go to Barnes & Noble and look at books we can't afford to buy, and then we put them back on the shelf and go home. I kid you not, that was our dates. I mean, we, 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 we got creative. That was, that was what we did because we didn't have a whole lot. But God always took care of what we needed. But it's been incredible to see that over time, if we trusted him, 
He has been faithful, and it's gotten easier. And e like every discipline, hard on the front end, but in time, it gets easier. God makes it where it's like you get to see miracles and beautiful, cool things, life change stories that we give towards a place where life change is happening. What a gift, what an awesome thing to participate in what God is doing. And I just want to encourage you that you would be willing to say, I'm going to put my confidence, my trust, not in my stuff, not in my finances, but in the God of my finances. I'm going to trust in Him, that it all belongs to Him. It's about confidence in God. It's about surrender to God. And here's the, th the third of the three um, the disciplines is corporate worship. Now, you may be saying corporate worship, that doesn't sound private at all, that sounds very public, but okay, so let me explain what I mean here. Now, when we come together for corporate worship, it's more than just a sermon that you hear. It's more than just corporate worship songs that we sing, although that's a, a big, significant part of it. But it is, according to Jesus, a powerful experience of the presence of God in a way that we cannot experience all on our own. Now, I'm not saying that when you're all on your own, you can't experience the, the Spirit of God and the presence of God. You absolutely can. But Jesus, in Matthew 18, 20, he has a, a way of explaining this that helps us to see that there's something powerful that when we come together, and it doesn't have to be a big group, it can even be a small group. He says, for where two or three, let's say it together, gather in, whose name? In my name there, am I with them? Jesus is saying, I'm right there. When we gather together, we experience the presence of God in a way that we can't conjure up on our own. There is a power. There's something about where we're not just cognitively reminded. We are experiencing it physically, emotionally, spiritually. When we walk in this room, we're reminded more than just cognitively, we are a part of something much bigger than ourselves. That this is a family. You are a part of this family. You are a part of this body. You're a part of this kingdom of God that, that, that is, is, is more real than the kingdom of this world. And you, it will outlast it. It will last forever and ever and ever and ever according to Jesus. Make no mistake about it. And that we are part of a kingdom which already has a reigning king and he wants to take care of his people and he wants us to trust him that we don't wait until heaven to get to participate in the kingdom of God. He's allowing us to start right here, right now. It's beautiful. The apostle Paul put it this way, 1 Corinthians 12, he says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Every one of you is a part of it that calls yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus. You're a part of it. And we choose to participate. This is a discipline. We choose to participate in this community. And when we don't choose, we miss out. We miss out on what your contribution could be to us here. We need you here. We want you to be here. And you miss out when you're not here and our contribution to you. We, 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 we feed off of each other. The Spirit of God uses each other for mutual edification and benefit and blessing and encouragement, and that's the way it was supposed to be. And so here's what I'd like to do. I want to issue you what I'm calling a one-month challenge, and in the next month, I would like you to begin to incorporate these three disciplines we've been talking about. 
And let me, let me just lay it out real simple. One month challenge that you are willing to give God the first minutes of your day, the first dollars of your pay, and the first day of your week. First minutes of your day, dollars of your pay, minutes of your, uh, or day of your week. It's, it's simply saying, God, I'm gonna start putting you first. Not just verbally, I'm gonna, with my practice, my action, with application, I'm gonna put this into practice. I'm gonna start putting this. If you want your faith to go grow, and you're like, hey man, I'm in, I'm ready. I wanna see God move in my life. And you are not doing these things, today's the day to begin and say, I'm taking that one month challenge. I'm gonna do it. I'm going to do it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in prayer in just a minute. But I'm going to ask you in this prayer that you would be willing to make this your commitment. And some of you are brand new Christians. Some of you have been Christians for years. But let's be honest, some of these things have just slipped. Or maybe you just need to make a fresh commitment to say, I'm all in again. <laughs> I've done this before, and I know it works, and I'm going to do it. And here's the application prayer I'm asking you to pray. It's just saying, Lord, I commit to give you the first minutes of my day, first dollars of my pay, and the first day of my week. And just make sure that you're clear what I'm saying here. This might be a first dollars of your pay commitment here at Brazos. It could be at another ministry. I don't care. I'm just asking you to be obedient to God, wherever that is. And, and, and he will show you himself, his faithfulness in ways that Without this step of faith, you won't learn. And without giving first minutes of the day, without giving the first day of the week, and you would be willing to say that. And I place faith in you for your forgiveness and leadership in my life. And let me tell you, I know it's hard sometimes to give the first day of the week sometimes, to give time on your Sunday to come and worship, especially with all the sports calendars and schedules that are out there but we have to be so careful that we're not teaching our family, well, we'll do church as long as there's not a better offer on the table. Because what we're teaching them is instead of worshiping him, we're gonna worship this. This is really the priority. And we've gotta be careful. And we wonder why when the kids get up older and get out of the house, they don't wanna have anything to do with God, church, Bible, nothing. Because they're just doing what they've been taught. And it's time for us, dads, husbands, head of the household to step up and say we're doing this and I, I'm doing because I love you guys not because I'm trying to put a damper on our fun but we're doing this because this is the right thing to do if you would let's bow together in prayer and let's make a commitment today Lord Jesus we come before you right now we thank you for your love we thank you God that you have issued these challenges to us for private disciplines. All across this room right now, would you be willing to say, God, I am making a commitment for this one month challenge. I'm gonna give you the first minutes of my day, first dollars of my pay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pre-decide. I'm gonna start being a percentage giver. And I'm gonna give you the first day of the week. I'm gonna take, carve out time on Sunday to come and worship you. All across this room, even if you have done it before, if you would be willing to make a fresh commitment with me, I'm doing it with you right now, would you be willing to make a one-month challenge commitment right now all across this room by raising your hand right now all across the room? Let's worship together. Let's give him the first minutes of our day, the first dollars of our pay. Let's put him first. Some of you are sick of the spiritual stagnation you've been stuck in for so long. You want to see God move. It's not going to happen apart from some steps of faith. 
Thank you. Hands going up on the balcony, the floor, all across. God, I pray for every hand, every heart that is opening up to you right now saying, yes, God, I commit to do this. I commit to give you these next, this next month, this next 30 days, however long. And you may decide, I'm going to keep on doing this. This has been so good. Would you make a commitment to him right now? Say, yes, I'm giving you my yes, Lord, right now. You may lower your hands. And Lord, I pray for any person sitting in this room that would honestly say, I have never surrendered my life to Almighty God. My Heavenly Father had no idea He loved me so much. I had no idea what He has done to make this relationship possible. But I want to give Him my yes. I don't want to live another day just wandering this life just living as a slave to every whim that comes into my mind, my heart. We trust you, Lord. Right now, would you just tell him, I trust you, Lord. I ask you to forgive my sin. I'm trusting when you died on the cross, resurrected from the dead, that was so that I might be cleansed from all unrighteousness. Be clean before God. He offers it to you right now. Yes, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. And I ask you to be the Lord and leader of my life. Would you tell him that? Not only my forgiver, but also the Lord of my life. I, I, I surrender my life to you. I was created by you and for you, for your glory. And I want to live for that. Would you tell him that right now? If you just ask Christ to forgive your sin and be the Lord of your life for the first time, would you just boldly as an act of faith raise your hand all across the room right now just saying, I'm giving my life. God bless you, sir. I see you right there, ma'am. I see you right here in front of the, over here. God bless you, sir. Anybody else over here? I see you, buddy. That is awesome. Praise God for you. Anybody in the balcony up here in the very top? I see you, ma'am, right there. Anybody on this section giving your life to Christ for the first time? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love. Thank you, God, for transforming lives. Thank you for igniting and growing faith in us. That is something only you could do. Thank you for that gift. And I pray we would take this seriously and we would go from here today and we would put these private disciplines into practice and let them do their amazing miracle working power in us that you are working through them to draw us closer to you we praise you for this opportunity to love you in this way thank you for the incredible life change stories and celebration that we've had today through these baptisms we pray all of these things in the amazing name of jesus that everybody said amen god bless you guys have a great week we'll see you back next sunday as we continue our series Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.